This episode may contain strong language. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode six of the 22 Dropouts. We are a YouTube show and a podcast available on ACAST, Spotify, or wherever else you, you, you happen to get your podcast from. Welcome from all of us. Hope you're still staying safe, staying well, and staying within lockdown. It's a frustrating time for all of us, but uh, please follow whatever local advice there is uh, and make sure that you're safe, ready for the next season. Um, now, um, it's a bit of a depleted 22 tonight, so um, in fact, <laughs> in fact, one of my 22 is messaging me now and says he's just from the bath. Uh, so James, up in Scotland, we'll wait until you're out the bath before we see you on video. Uh, other than that, we've got all the way from Kenya, we've got uh, Lawrence, how you doing, man? I'm good, Mike, how about you? Yeah, fantastic. How's your, uh, how's your week been? Uh, pretty a lot, uh, trying to get some new skills on uh, carpentry and also poultry farming. Poultry farming? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Gobble, 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 gobble. I take it, I take it you, um, your parents or whatever, uh, run a poultry farm, do they, mate? I, I actually do. Not my parents, but... You do? Yeah. You do? You do? <laughs> Oh, what an entrepreneur. Um, just trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we learn something new about you every day, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> so the, there is one thing that I'm not going to learn that's new about you, and that's that you still can't drink beer. Am I right? Yeah, sure. Boo. Boo. <laughs> now, um, we, we, we should we should mention that the reason that Lawrence can't drink beer is not that he's not allowed to by his mummy and daddy or that he's too young, but actually in Kenya, there's a, their lockdown prohibits the sale of alcohol, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you were <look> really upset. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> I do know that. I do know that, mate. Chris over in Stoke, how are you, mate? I'm good, Michael. How are you? All the better for seeing you, son. And that's the first lie you've told tonight. How many <laughs> Well, do you know what? We've got further this week before I told a lie than last week when you dropped the F-bomb. Well, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm being good tonight. Where's your chin strap gone? It's gone. It's never coming back. Ever. That's it. What? I'm, I'm, I'm staying clean-shaven and it's never coming back. I took a look in the mirror. Lawrence has been saying that ever since he was about 14 when he tried to shave. <laughs> <laughs> I took in the look in the Lawrence has been trying to shave for the last five years, haven't you, Lawrence? It's just like, oh, shit, there's no hair. <laughs> yeah. It, no, I have, but I regularly shave. Yeah, no. I took a look in the mirror. I was brushing my teeth last week. I took a look in the mirror and it was like, no, it really does look horrendous, doesn't it? We knew it looked horrendous for weeks, but we were much more inclined to let you carry on. Yeah, just so you could take the piss on. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Lawrence, I guess you're on the water, are you? Yeah, definitely, no doubt. <laughs> and Chris, what about you? Out to me. I thought you branched out to Phantom. I thought you branched out to Phantom. I was just too busy today, so I Ooh. couldn't uh, go to the shop and get one. <laughs> Mate, mate, seriously, too busy. We're in the middle of a global pandemic lockdown. What the hell have you had to do that made you can't go to the shop? Yeah, I was feeding my chicken. See? (laughs) Is it it just one chicken or do you have more than one? Actually, I have a bee cock. A very, very (laughs) bee cock. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got, Lawrence? You've got a... Beacock. Love that. That is fantastic. Mate. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. I thought you said, I'm not going to lie, I thought you said peacock. That's a different kind of chicken. I'm really going to regret this and I'm, I'm going to apologise to the viewers and the listeners right now, but Lawrence, please describe your big cock to me. <laughs> uh, okay, first, it's around 6.5 kilos. <laughs> and uh, also, it, it is, it is uh, multicolored. Now... There's <laughs> 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 too many jokes, I can't. Can we cut that? Because I've just lost it now. <laughs> Uh, I'm leaving this in, I tell you. Right, Lawrence. Yes. Just for evidence, next week, we want to see a photo of your big cock. Actually, I'm going to hold it. Uh, maybe we should call next week the big cock episode. <laughs> Chris, we know what he's drinking. What have you got tonight? Um, so, unfortunately, I am on the Estrella tonight. I know. I know. Listen, my, my survival kit ran out. Hang on. You're the only person that must go on about your beer survival kit. Tell us a bit more. Um, so, in it, there is 10 bottles of beer. Uh, there is two placemats, two quizzes, two packets of crisps, and two of these wonderful glasses, as Michael likes to say, because he thinks he's from Buckinghamshire. Wonderful half-pine glasses from Limestone Brewery, for the Y. Because I'm nice, I did save one of the bottles to show off. This is the Stone the Crows. It's their darkest nail that they do. It's a lovely 5.4% number, and it's just fantastic. If, if you didn't see it last week, go back and check out um, uh, Back Catalog, but particularly episode five, where Chris does the unboxing of the Limestone Brewery Survival Kit. Where can they get that from, Chris? You can get it straight from their website, which is limestonebrewery.net. And that's uh, that's limestone with a Y. With a y. Well, I tell you what, I, um, I did something similar today. I went to... To the Staffordshire Brewery, uh, which is in uh, in Cheddleton and Leith, and I'm currently on their Rudyard Ruby Premium. Ian, who you may remember from a few episodes back, with the one with the weird haircut that looks a bit like mine now. Um, Ian's in the army. He's a, a 
panel are uh, AR. He's a member of the Army Referees uh, Society and the Notfolks and Derby as well. Now, Ian did say to his boss a few weeks back, um, if I do a little bit extra uh, out of the times of the week, can I have Monday nights off to do my podcast and show? And of course, the answer was yes. Um, in typical army fashion, however, um, they've come back to me and gone, Ian, just need you to do something for me this Monday night. And that sort of carried on for the last three weeks. So uh, unfortunately, Ian can't join us at the moment. But uh, Ian, to you to all those troops who are manning the uh, coronavirus testing uh, centres across the UK, to all our NHS workers, to all our other frontline workers, to everybody who is going out there to try and keep us safe and well, regardless of what country you're in, we're going to raise a glass to you tonight and say a big cheers and a big thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. So um, Daryl joins us now, uh, straight from uh, from Suffolk. He's uh, he's a bit late because he's managed to spill um, some water all over the laptop. Um, Daryl, are you a? Um, I'm definitely a fan of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that, mate. I really oh don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Look, Chris has fallen off his chair. <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence, you've got a big cock, haven't you? Can you show it to Daryl for me? Stop! Generally, people don't talk about them. Yeah? <laughs> so, <laughs> Daryl, how has your week been, mate? The uh, week's been uh, pretty, pretty same as every other week, really. Um, Get up in the morning, a um, bit of home teaching. Um, I uh, relearned my, what I knew about uh, biology this week. Um, I've done some history oh, homework, right. um, some trigonometry. Um, yeah, yeah, that biology quick bit still hasn't come yet. He's only 11, but I'm sure there's a discussion to have around the sock at some stage. So, uh, Daryl, I see you're on the Guinness Clear tonight. I'm on the very much the Guinness Clear, yes, very much the Guinness Clear. It's been a heavy weekend. Um, What's all this rubbish about Rugby Hollywood? Have you heard that this week? I have. Right, so here you go. It's essentially going to be like an Indian Premier League of cricket for rugby. The way the Indian Premier League works is it it runs in the cricket off-season and they nick players from the UK and Australia and other places, the sort of superstars, they get chucked into a league. Uh, T20 cricket, blah, 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 blah. America have gone, we want to do something similar to that, just not the nicking the players part and actually having them all season long. So they wanted to have a 7 million salary cap, which is the same as the Premiership. Um, There's going to be eight teams, so there's only going to be 16 games in in a season which is half of what there is in the Premiership. So it, that could entice people to come because they get more sort of more recovery. It will run in the NFL off-season, so from April to about sort of July, August time. So it seems to be, like you say, uh, a bit like uh, the Indian uh, Cricket League thing where they, they sort of entice 
people over for big bucks to play under floodlights and do half the amount of work for double the amount of money. Is that right? Pretty much, in short, yeah. James, James up in Scotland. Hello. This is getting confusing now. So we've got an Englishman who lived in Wales, who now lives in Scotland. He's called James. And we've got a Scotsman living in Malta who's too tired to come and join this tonight. Um, so, <laughs> so how's things up in Jockland, uh, James? Cold. We had snow yesterday. No, I mean, it's cold here, but... Lawrence, did you have snow yesterday in... <laughs> yeah, actually. We've been having for the past week. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> then, before he started smiling, I couldn't tell if he, if he was being serious or not. Like, his face just so dead. <laughs> so, Lawrence, how does the snow affect feeding your big cock? Stop! Yeah, so... <laughs> So, how's lockdown treating you then, mate? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting no direction, of course, from the wonderful thing that is the First Minister. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, Jimmy Cranky? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, we, 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 Jimmy. Um, and it's, it's a case of... Uh, it's definitely snapping. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's situation normal all fucked up. Um, there we go. There's just no, there's just no let up. Um, we don't know. But the good news is, mate, you must have beer, or you must have wine, or you must have whiskey, and you're enjoying yourself. Orange juice. <laughs> James, I don't know why we haven't had you on every week, but um, I, and I don't know why you live in Scotland either. <laughs> anyway, we are supposedly talking about all things sevens tonight, and we're joined uh, in a moment by a, a couple of guests. One guy who runs the um, the tournament finder website, which you may have seen online and on social me uh, social minder uh, on social media. We are also joined by from France from the French sevens team, uh, Jonathan Legel or Jonathan Legel, as he said. So we're going to take a short break now, and we will be back with uh, our two guests right after this. <laughs> When you need clear and concise match official communication systems, look no further than the brand new AxiWe AT350. Radios are always, that they're always useful, they always help us, especially AxiWe's, where all three of us can be open at any time and can have open communication. Available now from refcomsglobal.net. Invest in profits into match official development worldwide. Welcome back to the 22 Dropout. Um, we are a YouTube show and a podcast available on Acast, Spotify, and wherever you, else you get your podcasts from. I uh, hope you're downloading all of our back catalogue. Catalog? You can download 
you can download i'm not going to do that again because i can't be bothered to edit afterwards so you can download our back catalog uh, on uh, any of the platforms uh, anyway do connect with us on our social media channels twitter instagram and uh, facebook just search at 22 dropouts now tonight uh, amongst all the things that are lawrence's big cock on his farm uh, we are trying to talk about sevens rugby and uh, first of all i want to go over straight away to uh, uh, to france and talk to uh, to joe uh, i would find, ex <laughs> except just on my screen right now um, Yorkie's just joined in, and you served Joe from his space on my screen. Yorkie, Yorkie. wait your turn, lad. Yorkie, <laughs> wait your turn. <laughs> so, here's Joe. Here's Joe. Joe, hello. How are you? I finally Hi. got around to talking to you. Yeah, thanks, you. Thank, thanks very much for having me tonight. Uh, I have anytime, to say that I'm, I'm pretty much excited to, be, to take part in this podcast simply because this is my first time as a podcast guest. If this is your only experience to podcasting, it will be your last. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Someone contacted me by uh, on LinkedIn and asked me to do uh, another podcast and uh, to be another podcast guest. So I hope it's not going to be my last time. Oh, man in demand. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, um, for those who don't know, it's uh, Jonathan Legel. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan Logel. Uh, this is the English ah, way to say my name. And otherwise, you can say Jonathan Logel. This is the most common way to say my name in French. Up to you. <laughs> I'll stick with the English thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with Joe, that's okay. <laughs> Joe, Joe. So, Joe, tell us a little bit among, uh, about yourself then. Yeah, so I'm uh, an international rugby seven player playing for the French rugby sevens team. Uh, I've joined the team in 2012. Uh, I played more than uh, 65 international and European tournaments with this team, uh, including the Olympics in 2016 in Rio. And uh, yeah, before joining the French rugby sevens team, I also played 15 with Racing Metro, Racing 92. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. Like you, I'm, I'm, I'm currently in the uh, lock, lock in the west of France, uh, trying to, to, to keep in a good shape, to stay in a good shape. So um, in France, it's not quite like it may well be in other nations. Although you're part of a centrally contracted squad, you're not mm -hmm. contracted for 100% of the time, are you? Yeah, exactly. So uh, currently, I, may, I make the choice to be contracted 80% of my time uh, because I wanted to work uh, beside rugby. I decided to work 20% of my time with a company beside rugby. So I worked for Capgemini for a year, a year and a half. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, in March, I was supposed to renew my contract with this company. Uh, but because of the current crisis, uh, they freeze all of the hiring. So I'm not working anymore 20% of my time, but I'm still employed as uh, a rugby professional player 80% of my time. But that's my own decision because most of my teammates are contracted 100% of the time with a, with, a French rugby, with a French federation. I have a lot of space, a large field, so I can still run and doing some push-ups and some stuff like that. I also have a rugby ball, so I can do some... Uh, some uh, exercise uh, by myself. So 
you know, it's a little bit boring as rugby is a collective sport. So I'm, I'm with myself and I'm also trying to sometimes watch uh, rugby games. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to watch rugby games to just keep the, the connection and the, uh, with rugby and, and stuff like that. Uh, it's interesting because I keep watching rugby games and imagining how good I might be as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier than actually doing any training did you play much in this season series yeah yeah absolutely yeah i played uh, so we played six tournaments out of ten um and i played uh six of these tournaments so yeah we we, we played 60 percent uh of the of the of the competition now the championship and we are still we we are we don't know if the paris paris tournament and london tournament are going to be postponed uh so we will see mike i i think mike you're reading something that could be shared <laughs> now so please I, I, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Joe, <laughs> look at Lawrence, bless him. <laughs> Lawrence, uh, Joe, 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 I'm sure you've seen um, the comedy Allo Allo. Uh, uh. No? 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, it has, it has, how can I put this delicately? Um, <laughs> now listen very carefully, I'm going to say this only once. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, as Chris said, I was just pissing by, so I thought I'd group in. Um, <laughs> so all the others, mate, are taking the mickey because uh, of Allo Allo. It's wrong, it's wrong. A very, very person once said. Uh, I'm going to say, when you say all the others, I think you wrong. mean Christopher. Is, I, I think I mean Chris. Uh, I do mean Chris, and there's Chris on the screen. He's about to bow his head in shame, and he's going to apologise to Joe now on television. Christopher, apologise to Joe. I'm very sorry, Joe, for disrupting your wonderful interview with the 22 dropouts. It won't happen again. Yeah, but I, I would like apologise apologize for your know. racial stereotype. It's not a racial stereotype. It's taking the piss out of TV show. Um, in all seriousness, mate, what's your thought that's going to happen with the World Series now? Because as you say, we're 60% the way through. You, you, we were supposed to have Paris and London in the not-too-distant future. Uh, obviously, Singapore and Hong Kong have already been postponed, and they're postponed back till October at the moment. Mm -hmm. So what's your personal opinion on what's going to happen this year? Honestly, I don't really know because if any of you have ever seen uh, a rugby seven tournament, you can see how much logistics there is, and also for the players. So once we are, once the players are in the stadium, we are all together sharing one, two, or three locker room, which means that we are four teams per locker room. So it so there is a lot of contact. Obviously, we are all together in the same ice bath uh, after the game. So um, I think that uh, for TV I'm not, and for I'm not. There is absolutely no way i did it once in dubai <laughs> and I, I i went to about there yeah and i was not going any further <laughs> yeah and the, there are photographs to prove there is a limit there is a limit and your belly button there is a limit and your belly button that is really hard to, to go <laughs> <laughs> i i believe in healing through heat 
Okay. So, but <laughs> no, I wine. know what you mean. It, it and is. good wine, so, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> if, if they fill... No, no. If they fill that, that bath up with a good, uh, a good cognac or <laughs> a, a good red wine or a uh, Chateau Neuf de Pep, no uh, then I would be the first one in and I would dive in head first. Yeah. If you put ice in it, I'm out of there unless it's got gin and tonic in it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're picky, Mike. You're, you're too picky. <laughs> I, I am, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and, and you know what? I only had to share my ice bath with 42 other referees. <laughs> uh, but, but you're right. Even in Dubai, I think there is, and, and that's a huge stadium for sevens. Um, and I think there are, um, I think, what, two, two teams per change room in Dubai, is that right? Yeah, in, in, in Dubai, exactly, yeah. So last time we were with, uh, with, things that was with Spain. Uh, but obviously, each, each tournament, we are, uh, we are two or three teams per locker room. So there is a lot of contact, a lot of maybe jams or some stuff like that. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of difficult to see myself uh, uh, playing and participating again. Uh, in any tournament very soon so um, I don't know how they can sanitize this I've heard that there is some certification now uh, for big sports event, uh, events um, and so yes the organizer can uh, uh, implement some uh, safety rules uh, and get that certification to make sure everyone including uh, including the athletes are in a safe environment so it might be one of the key steps to to play rugby again and to play yet yeah, big tournaments like the one in Paris, London, and Hong Kong, and maybe Singapore. But I, I was chatting to a friend of mine in Singapore this week, uh, and the sponsors are obviously very, very keen to keep rugby going uh, and to get the tournament on. I can't see any more this season. I think this season's sevens is done. Um, it's a shame, but I, I think that's where we are. And to me, in another way, that's not a bad thing because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to Joe in a second for your opinion. We've seen this season a, a, an amalgamation of the men's and the women's together on the same circuit more and more. And I absolutely 100% endorse that. And it works at places like Dubai or in America where we've got um, uh, a a number of pitches, but then we get this real strange anomaly within the series that we go to certain stadia like Twickenham, for example, which will only have the one pitch operating and you cannot fit the entire competition in. You can do the pool stages and then a cup competition for men and a cup competition for women, but you can't do any of the other uh, competitions, the shield, the plate, uh, the trophy, and that means that teams are not able to to get um, World Series points. How does it feel from a player's point of view, Joe? I would say that uh, from yeah, from my point of view, it brought much more attention to the pool game uh, because now uh, we, we we can access uh, the semi final if we rank first in the pool. So now each game during the pool phase is like a final for us, even if it was, uh, uh, even if it was the case before, but now it's, more, it's much more uh, important for us. So like in New Zealand, Hamilton, uh, during the Hamilton tournament, uh, we went through the final. Uh, we lost against uh, New Zealand uh, 25 
to seven or something like that. But uh, we were lucky to um, to go in a semi-final against England. And when I say lucky, I mean that it wasn't the uh, most difficult team to play against uh, oh, this no. <laughs> and, and this is this is but this, lucky I, I would I, I would like to say lucky us and lucky them because we had a really intense game we won at the last at the last minute and and yeah obviously they're they're they really good but we we won we beat them and so we were able to, to go through the, the final so I, I want to say that uh, for team, for good team like France, it can open some opportunity. Uh, this new concept can open opportunity for us. I would like to say also that that's kind of hard for also, also athletes uh, because, for example, girls start their day around eight thirty or nine. But when you have to start your day at nine, that means that you have to wake up around six or sometimes five thirty, and that's a really long day. To start playing at, yeah, to wake up at six and then having its last uh, game at six or seven. That's a really long day, and I've done that before a few years ago, uh, and that's really intense. And sometimes you don't really let your body uh, having enough rest and relax. So it can be hard in, <laughs> from this point of view. Well, just just bear in mind what um, what our guys in, in the refereeing pool go through, um, especially when I have to share the same floor as your women's team in Dubai, and they were up in the corridor playing card games for so long at night, and we're there all the way through. And it, it's Daryl will um, will testify. It's um, it's a tough old day for refs, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I think you've got, um, I think exactly as Joe was talking about, you know, you're up at six in the morning. By the time you're, you're on your first game at 9am, 9.30 a.m., and you could be involved in the last game at nine o'clock at night. I mean, last time I was at Dubai, I was involved in 32 games across three days, either as a referee or as an assistant referee. That's pretty tough tough work, yeah? Um, Ten games a yeah, day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think well, we, I think when you get to the big tournaments, what's really great for us as match officials is that we're able to have um, physios on hand to keep us going. And actually, we do use them a bit like you, you Joe, you, you know, you professional players are using them as well. And I think without those, I don't think a lot of people would be able to make it through the day. So it's constantly going go for massages on the calves um, on the hamstrings because you know it, it is a, it is a lot of work. I mean. Um, last year in London, I um I was the uh, technical controller, so I was controlling the substitutions onto the get onto the pitches, and basically I was on my feet for eight or nine hours a day, and with about a twenty minute lunch break, and that was really really tough. Um, you know, I'm I'm not getting any younger, so uh, um, but uh, it's it's really enjoyable to be involved with, even though it is hard work. Uh, there's a reason you're on your feet for that long in London, and that's because it was so cold last year, and I think it rained as well. That you've got to stay on your feet just to keep warm. At least at least in Dubai, they give you plastic chairs to sit on so that you can sweat. Um, but no, I mean Daryl's absolutely right. In, uh, in in Dubai, I you know come day three, my first port of call was straight into the physio's bench and everybody starts taking the mickey out of you. Actually, have a massage before the day starts as of you getting through to the end of day three as a referee. 
are much, much greater if you, all your muscles are, uh, are, are nice and warm and relaxed. Uh, anyway, enough about the, uh, that level. Um, all the way from, uh, from Holland, we've got the man that is tournament finder is Jonathan Melvin. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, you. Thanks for inviting. Uh, yeah, we're good. Um, I noticed there's a bit... I, I couldn't ask... Don't tell Joe... But I couldn't ask him what he's drinking, just in case his strength and conditioning coach is watching. <laughs> but he'll tell me later. Look at... Oh. See, I told you. I, I knew it. I knew it. He's on, he's on the Guinness. It's Monday. Um, <laughs> um, however, you see, Monday... Right, guys, guys, look. Monday is the new Saturday, okay? We <laughs> do right. this on the Monday, therefore we can drink on the Monday. End of, that's it. We don't drink on the Saturday, we drink on the Monday instead. That's the new rule. I don't care what you think after that, because that's it. Right. Um, John, uh, so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, it's called Wolf Number no. 7. It's a Belgian beer. Can you see that? Where, where about? Ooh, look at that. He, he, he's, do, he's doing that, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. So I, I don't know. Should we have a wolf for, for anybody who's that way inclined and a big cock for Lawrence? I, I, I just don't know. Um, man. There you go. You see, it took, I was able to scroll across my screen, select Lawrence's picture, tap it so that he came up before he left. And that's just the delay getting to Kenya. Kenyan Wi Fi. Kenyan Wi-Fi! <laughs> High five for Kenyan Wi-Fi! It's faster than Scottish Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is better than Scottish Wi-Fi, mate. So thumbs up for Kenyan Wi-Fi. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, um, John, tell us a little bit more about, um, uh, about your beer. And then um, tell me lots and lots and lots about your, um, your website. Beer is the first time I've ever had it. It's a Belgian beer. It tastes good. That's about all I can give you. It's a blonde, I think. Well, it's a blonde. I can own that much. I'm drinking it. Uh, but yeah, that's about one. I bet. <laughs> but, mate, you, you're the only one that can tell us because we're not there. Well, I, can, I can read it off the screen if you like. You it's a golden blonde beer with a beautiful, firm white head. You should drink water. Mate, you seriously do as much research as we do, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why York is laughing. He does no research whatsoever. Uh, in fact, he turns up late and, and then starts chuckling. And we have to then explain a French joke to a Frenchman, which is not good, Yorkie. Yorkie, it's your fault. Anyway, I, John, just hang on a minute. Yorkie, can you just pan round a little bit like that with your camera? I'm not in. I'm not in the You're yacht. In the yacht. You're not, not on the in... boat. No, no, I'm so... on dry land. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the dry dock. You know what? You know why that is, don't you? It's because last week we talked about your daddy taking a bribe to buy the yacht. And <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 clearly, he's had to sell the boat and put you back on dry land. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> now shut up and let John speak. Uh, <laughs> so, John, now we 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 sort of found each other through um, through so social media, didn't we? About uh, uh, about sevens, because uh, in terms of community type rugby or semi pro rugby, um, you're you're quite the man at the moment, aren't you? 
I don't want to go that far, but I'm. No, you are, you are. Just agree with me. Agree <laughs> with me. Okay, yeah, sure. I'm a man. Take it wrong. I'm trying my best to keep people updated on what different tournaments are doing. Mostly in the UK, it, but further afield if I see it too. I spend a lot of time on social media, because as you probably know yourself, <laughs> most of the tournaments are on Twitter, and they update when they feel like it, and they don't tell anyone else, it seems. When they're, when they're doing things, so it's just constantly scanning through tournaments. I know about talking to people like yourself that go to multiple tournaments and then just trying to contact whoever I can to find out what dates people are doing, whether they're still going to be doing the event and what new dates they're thinking of trying out as well. I, I don't want to make you sit there and reel off a list of dates of things that are and aren't happening, but... Just give us give us a rough idea of of the way that this has affected stuff that you've seen, and roughly what you think in terms of um, tournaments that have rescheduled, others that are just carrying on regardless, a bit like a low low, uh, and others that are just saying no, enough's enough. Uh, so obviously the early spring ones, a lot of them, the sort of the social fat boys and things like that, they're just off the calendar. Um, some of the ones that are a bit later and some of the ones that are larger tournaments, like your Bournemouth, they're trying to keep on going. So they're moving their date, in Bournemouth's case, to the last weekend of August. Uh, there are some that are sort of somewhere between that and the, it sort of corresponds in that they're saying we're trying to do August, but we're not too sure. So from usually August is one or two tournaments or not many tournaments. Now, if everyone does what they're saying, sorry, if everyone does what they say they're going to do, then August is going to be one blinding month of rugby sevens. Joe, Joe, do you fancy coming over to England for a month in August? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> what really do you think is going to happen to the amateur? Um, stroke semi-pro I mean we, we've seen the super series uh, in the UK is already gone that's it well, they're um, trying to do one event aren't they they're trying they to do, do one, they want to do one event in Bury yeah. they want to do one event yeah. in Bury but the tournament as a whole has just been scrapped yeah. what date is that one uh, that is on the 9th of August August so it's almost pre-season training that's, that's unlikely to happen, isn't it? We're not, I doubt we're not going to have contact rugby on the 9th of August. No, no. Not what might end up being, one that might have a chance is Sparkle Sevens, which goes to school on the 6th of September. That's maybe September, possibly. Uh, um, I know I've looked at some of the stuff that's come out from the Dutch RFU, and they're already letting kids train. But if they keep the sizes down, if they keep washing the balls, and if they keep the social distance, that's just like passing drills and stuff. And on the documents at the moment, it says possibly the start of September we could get contact, but it's, it's like a maybe. And they, we over here started the social distance in about a week before the UK did. Daryl, what's your, what's your opinion? When, when are we going to restart? And I'm not going to hold you to this, mate. Don't worry, I'm not going to see you if it's wrong. In your opinion, when are we going to see rugby again? I don't think we'll see um, any rugby um, 
at the non-professional level until at least um, October. Um, I think also there'll be um, a lot of discussion, I'm sure, around what that will look like in terms of whether it will be full contact or not. The professional I, I've, got, I, I've got my I've got my touch referee top ready. <laughs> are you off to Barcelona, are you? <laughs> Yeah. He's, not good, um, he's not good enough to go to Barcelona, mate. He's not good enough for that. And also, he'll need to be 14-day quarantine when he comes back. But I think um, on the uh, on the professional front, I think they're still looking at trying to see if they can do something in uh, July. Um, so I think that's maybe where they're working towards. Um, and I suppose it will depend on how quickly the lockdown restrictions start to move out. If we see a drastic change in lockdown restrictions in June, where people can start to go sport together, um, then that could mean that players could then start to prepare to play rugby. But I think, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a uh, it's, it's a real unknown, and I don't. I, I think um, I'm not privy to any specific information, but from what I read on the, in the press. Um, I think the RFU are really struggling to try and get any commitment from the government as to what Yeah, so I, I think we're all we're all off to the states because Trump says it's fine, and we're all going to go and do Denver and Salt Lake at the end of July and begin of August. I'll see. Only if you inject if I... yourself with Dettol. <laughs> <laughs> only if I inject myself with Dettol. <laughs> I'm there with you, brother, to get rugby back on. Um, I, Anyway, um, we will be right back after after this break and we're going to see what Joe and John have got in terms of rugby rumours. Take care. We'll see you soon. When the shelves are almost empty and you can't stop thinking about that blend of hops and barley, carefully crafted and slowly nurtured for distinctive flavour, Reach for your Limestone Brewery Survival Kit with 10 bottled beers, locally sourced crisps, beer mats and glasses. Buy yours now at limestonebrewery.net. That's limestone with a Y. Uh, welcome back to the 22 Dropouts. We are a YouTube show and a podcast available on Acast and Spotify and wherever else you happen to get your, your podcasts from. Um, don't forget in these lockdown times when you're bored and you need to get away from it all to download our back catalogue, stick the headphones in, listen to everything uh, and of course viewer discretion and viewer listening is advised, usually because of Chris's F-bomb. Um, after about 90 seconds, episode five. Um, anyway, it's time for it's time for this week's... To the voice. I don't know why I did it like that, but there you go. Um, so, um, it is customary that we always ask our guests first what they've got in the rumour mill. So straight over to the west of France, uh, and it's Joe. Joe, talk to us about your rumour. Okay, Mike, so I'm, I, I think that I'm not going to surprise you, uh, because I've just <laughs> I read something. <laughs> I've read something that, that is terrific for us, for the team, that the <laughs> Tokyo Olympic Games could be cancelled 
if uh, if coronavirus is not in control. So yeah, uh, as you as you as you think that that would be helpful for us because we we train for a couple of years now, and uh, I don't really want uh, us and the team to not participating this incredible tournament that is the Olympic Games. Yeah, you, you've you've been to the Olympics before, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody has ever been to the Olympics. <laughs> and looking at most of us on the screen, we're never, ever, ever likely to go there unless we pay hundreds of pounds for a ticket. Um, so, from, from an athlete's point of view, what's it like? Uh, it's much bigger. It's much bigger. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just incredible. You know, you're in this... Uh, a big area with uh, a lot of different athletes that are all playing and representing the, the countries, uh, reaching, uh, trying to get uh, a medal. A medal. So that's just incredible to be uh, with Rafael Nadal, to be with all of the other uh, famous, famous sports, uh, famous athletes. Uh, and in terms of uh, intensity, that was really the most uh, incredible games uh, that I've been able to play. Uh, and I do remember about a game against Australia, which was the first game uh, of the 2016 Olympic game. And we, we beat them and that was so incredible. And I also remember the few minutes before the game when, you know, I was just in the locker room, a little bit in queues and, uh, and focus on myself. And uh, when the time came to head towards the corridor, uh, I just told myself that I'm going to join and uh, be part of the Olympian family. And so that maybe the, the, the greatest sou uh, souvenir and memories that I, that I had from this, this big event that is the Olympic game. If there's nothing else that comes out of Holland, it's a good rumour. What was that, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> to About Holland, joke, not a rumour. Try to make a joke, it's crap. So we'll just move on. What's your rumour, bud? Well, as you guys just said, like, check out Rugby Pass, we've got nothing. And I looked on there, and it's got Brian Abana re his South Africa match. I thought, well, if that's the news the professionals have got, I've got nothing. <laughs> 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 Before we go into real depth about your rumour that you've only just made up by watching, uh, looking at Rugby Pass and hoping you could read quickly, uh, we are going to say goodnight to, uh, to Joe tonight because he's, um, he's already come from one barbecue and he's about to go to another one. So everybody, raise a glass, say goodnight to Joe and say thank, thank you, you very so much. much. And we hope that Thanks, the Joe. rest of your, uh, your <laughs> tournament and your year is great. And we'll speak... We'll speak soon, mate. Right, thank you very much for having me. Thank, thank you. Take bye. care, buddy. Bye-bye now. Bye. Hey, isn't it great when you've got so many barbecues and, and, and <laughs> things that you've got to do? On, oh, if only people would do that for me every Monday night. You did. So, John, you're having a barbecue the John, day, you, you, that. Yeah, I know. I've had a barbecue every bloody day, should I? Um, it's because <laughs> the weather's better here than it is in Scotland. Um, so, John, you've had another 60 seconds. What's your rumour? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hoping that's going to get me off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> no chance, mate. No chance. I mean, uh, in actual fact, all look at Daryl's picture now because he's desperately trying to search through the rugby papers to find a good room. <laughs> John, wave when you're ready. I can see you, but the viewers can't. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, not the if you understand. The man, magic of television. So, Tom, now, um, we normally come to Tom to find out <laughs> what the hell has gone on with our rumours before, because um, usually Tom tells us the truth after we've claimed all sorts of things. So, I, I, I'm going to come to you for a couple of specifics now. Oh, Chris has gone for a nervous wee-wee again. Say, uh, hi, Chris. To everybody, <laughs> well, everybody, wave bye bye to Chris's nervous wee wee. <laughs> oh, hello, he's back. So, two weeks ago, Eddie Jones is he leaving England? No, not 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 yet. Nothing's come out of there. He's still staying where he is, it seems. And uh, as I predicted, obviously I was right. Um, long may it stay that way as well. <laughs> He's the one with the big head now. Obviously, I was right. Mate, just to know what you've done. <laughs> and, and are New Zealand leaving World Rugby? Last time I checked, don't think so. Sean Maitland. No, with the dog. Sean Maitland. Is he staying with Saracens or is he going to wherever he was going? Up Scotland. Well, I've got a few a few rumours here from uh, uh, about sort of from the rugby paper around where players are going, especially those players that are uh, currently at Saracens. And obviously, we all know where Saracens are going next season. Um, so, I know some of their players are staying. Some of them are disappearing off for a year on a little holiday. Um, and it seems a few of them are looking to go over to, uh, to Japan to join some of their teams over there. Most recently, Alex Goode, um, who seems to... Uh, have been linked with a move over to Japan just for the season before he cut the turns back to Saracens when they hope that they are able to come back up into the Premiership. Don't see how they wouldn't. Um, but the rugby paper is trying to say at the moment that uh, he's going to go and play for NEC, who are currently at the bottom of the Japanese top league um, before, obviously, it was all postponed. Um, there's obviously other players as well. George Cruz uh, is apparently poised to sort of announce his move to Japan. Um, again, that's something we have to wait and see with. Um, as well as um, Hadley Parks and Owen Williams as well. Um, they're apparently set to agree moves to the Far East. So we could see a whole contingent of UK and European players moving over to take the Japanese leagues by storm. But it's something we'll have to wait and see. Right. right. We only asked you one question, but thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, he didn't answer my question. Sean Maitland. What was your Sean question? John no Maitland. idea. He no stayed. Idea. See, you're Paul. John Maitland signed a new two-year deal with Saracens today. Keep up to date, Yorkie. You're meant to be the man we go to for this club. Come on. John, Hello. have you searched <laughs> Rugby Pass yet? <laughs> yeah, of course I have. Um, <laughs> go, 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 going on from what we were just talking about with the Japanese thing just there, there's a, a story about the Sunwolves maybe relocating to Australia to try and get a small season going there without uh, Argentina and South Africa because they're all in lockdown. Australia possibly coming out first. They're looking at having a small tournament there. But, uh, but we're going back to uh, rugby in New Zealand in June, aren't we? 15th of June, they're hoping to start playing. You see, this, this is the issue, isn't it? And it's the same with what Joe was talking about and what I was alluding to earlier with the, with the World Series, is that it doesn't matter what country you're in, if your country, let's say, for, for example, all of a sudden, end of July, there's no more coronavirus in England or the United Kingdom, and we go, 
we're open for business guys. The problem is you're bringing people in from around the world who've all got different contingency plans. They've all got different R rates on their uh, contagion and various things like that. I just don't see it happening. And it's not okay. because of the, the desire to make it happen. It's just the logistics of world rugby. I can see domestic things starting um, right towards the end of the summer, early autumn uh, in different countries. But I can't see international rugby um, starting any time before the new year. Anybody got any different on that? What's your thoughts? Well, I guess that's why they say relocate. It's actually talking about the team moving to Australia. So I guess they go over, spend two yeah. weeks in isolation, and then they can play. Absolutely. Uh, Lawrence, what's it like? What's it like over in Kenya at the moment for, for rugby? Uh, I really don't think uh, the previous 15th season will actually go on, but it's, it's good the seventh season comes in, it checks in, because now the players also will be properly uh, conditioned for the game. So, I mean, there's no point of starting a game and giving players around two weeks just to get to set up their bodies to be in fit shape. Uh, it's rather they're given around four four weeks or something before the seventh season starts. I, I honestly can't see them turning around and saying, yes, we're, we're going to run the seventh series, I'm afraid. Um, I'd love them to. I, I just think that um, we, we're getting closer and closer and closer each day to somebody saying, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, and I hope not. Um, mainly because we've all got our flights booked for the Safari 7s. Uh, but <laughs> let, let's go away from Kenya for a moment. What's your, what's your rumour this week? Okay, so uh, I'm a little bit uh, going into England Premiership. You probably players. know more than this slot, mate. It's not hard, to be fair. All right, so Premiership players actually face having to sign disclaimers before returning to training uh, due to fears clubs and doctors will not have necessary insurance policies uh, to cover against coronavirus. So initially, while rugby had issued uh, guidelines urging clubs and uh, unions to ensure that they are adequately prepared, uh, adequately insured, but there's considerable doubt uh, as to whether companies, uh, the insurance companies will offer that level of protection. Daryl, what's... What's the latest in terms of um, the championship and the premiership from from a refereeing point of view based on things like that? Or are we still completely in the dark? So I said earlier, I think the championship is finished and until um, September, providing that we can kickstart it then. Premiership is still um, waiting to see what happens, I think, as a result of the restrictions in June being lifted. Um, and still trying to forecast that they can play some games in July, but I'm I'm um, I don't have any more information on it. As I, I think, as I said earlier, the RFU is struggling to get clarity from the government. I think we're probably, um, at, if I look at it at this point in time, I can't see us playing contact sport like rugby even behind closed doors um, until at least Q4. And so you know, I don't even think our season will kickstart in September. I think there'll be a delay. <laughs> Um, even at the, prof uh, the yeah, professional level, even even at the professional, we 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 may just be about ready to go in September, but um, that means that players have got to start training again in July, um, yeah, and then we've got to be taking contact in. You know, we're going to have pre-season warm-up games in the beginning of August, which is what traditionally happens for them to play. So actually, really, they want to be training mid-June for that to happen. 
Um, if you look at the normal window, most most players will have time off after the Premiership final. Then you know they'll be back in their clubs in July, training hard for pre-season in June, in August, ready for the kickoff of season in September. Bearing in mind what you just said in terms of that they've got to build into it, I still don't see it happening before October. Yeah, I'm, I got to say, I think it's uh, it depends what happens in terms of the lockdown restrictions in, in the next sort of eight weeks as to as to where they go, but. You've already seen um, a lot of reports that players are going to need six, maybe eight weeks to, to get back to full contact. Um, you've seen, you're right, I think a lot of players are taking this as their rest period, as their break period, quite rightly. Or the players are going to be recovering from injury or because these games are postponed, um, players that are on bands will also be able to come back and play. Um, so I think... You know, it's kind of watch this space until you can, until we can get back to a point where we, um, the government's restrictions are lifted and that we can train, even train for team sports. We can't even then try and predict where we're going to go in terms of um, playing. Yeah, it's oh Christ. It'd be not. It'd be nice to have some guides. I know we can't have any, um, and we've all, we've all just got to sit back. We've got to do what we need to do. We've got to prepare however we need to prepare as individuals, whether that be players or match officials um, or even people who run websites telling us what's on and what's off. <laughs> <laughs> James, um, what's, uh, what's new up where you are? Well, just to add on to that little uh, conversation there, they reckon it could even be November, December up here before we get mm. any at community level. Um, and that that would be an absolute tragedy because you'll, Scotland hasn't got the big pool of players. There are other things that are taking players around. Now, the local rugby club Highland, they play in National One, which is the equivalent of the championship, if you will, in, in England because there's only the Premiership, then National One and National Two, National Three, the, the, the National Leagues. The second team should have been promoted into the local division, Cali one, uh, Caledonia one, which doesn't give them such a big difference in league uh, distance. The whole of the club trained for national one level. But my rumour is the Aussies are trying to cheat again. <laughs> That's not the rumour, man. They, they're, wanting, they're wanting two referees on a pitch, one to manage the breakdown and one to manage the offside line. For God's sake, if an Aussie referee can't... Oh, we know they can't manage the offside line anyway. If they can't manage the breakdown on the offside line, why the hell have they got a whistling around? They've got bloody touch judges anyway, so get, use them. Hey, <laughs> James, we call the sister referees these days, aren't we, Daryl? Yeah, yeah, we are called system referees, and uh, we don't uh, we don't look out for that kind of thing. <laughs> that's mainly because that's mainly because the referee doesn't listen to us when we do. Uh, yeah, but there's ways and ways of doing it, as we all know. We've all done it. Uh, are you sure you're happy with that offside line? Are you sure you're happy with that tackle? Or would you like me to put a flag in to save your ass? <laughs> There's a reason. There's a reason that the Welsh Rugby Union moved you to Scotland, didn't they, mate? Yeah, they wanted to educate the Scots. 